1: Do you get and see this beautiful picture of our belonging to Christ? We give up self for the privilege of saying, I belong to someone, something better.
2: Join us now for Grace to the Bay as we glorify the Lord Jesus Christ through sound expository teaching by our teacher, Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio outreach of Grace Church of the Bay Area located in San Mateo. If you are blessed by Dr. Chen's message and are looking for a church home, you're invited to come worship with them. Now, here is Dr. Chen.
1: As we round off chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians this morning we come to a very famous passage that provides an incredible promise regarding the believer and his relationship with God. And it is the truth of each individual believer being a temple of the Holy Spirit. This is a truth, a doctrine, a theology, a verse, a passage, which is often used as a source of worship as well as a conviction to holiness. And it is very interesting that this profound teaching is found within the context of sexual immorality. And so what we find in our final passage of this series, entitled God's Body, God's Choice, is both a clear evidence of the sinfulness of immorality and a broader doctrine that permeates every aspect of the Christian life. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 12-20. through 20. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food. But God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. Now God has not only raised the Lord, but will also raise us up through his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take away the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? May it never be. Or do you not know that the one who joins himself to a prostitute is one body with her? For he says... The two shall become one flesh, but the one who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with him. Flee immorality. Every other sin that a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. And our passage for this morning, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and that you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. All holiness, all obedience goes back to the gospel. Everything revolves around who we are, who you are, and what Christ has done for you. Everything. It's not about politics. It's not about Trump. It's not about Biden. It's not about society. It's not about abortion. It's not about any of those things. It's because you are redeemed. Everything we do or believe must flow out of that. Whether it's immorality or any other sin, our motivation and ability to avoid temptation is found in our redemption. You cannot do it on your own strength. You cannot do it to try to achieve heaven. You can't work your way into the good opinion of God. You cannot improve on your relationship in His eyes. You're standing in His eyes. We are not legalists. We are the redeemed. And so this morning, four aspects of redemption that combat immorality. The first aspect of redemption that, com- that combats immorality is the constitution of the redeemed. Look again at the beginning of verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? This is basic to the Christian life and fundamental to a proper understanding of sin in general. Previously, in chapter 3, verse 16, Paul referred to the church, the the church as a whole, as, as an entity, as the temple of God. And we know that from the grammar in the Greek. Here, he is specifying that every individual believer is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Every one of you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And to make things clear, he points out that this is not a general statement of Christian holiness. It's not just a synonym for redemption, but that the Holy Spirit is literally in each and every one of us and millions around the world throughout history. If you recall, he uses the from 316, it's the same word here, the word temple. It's the dwelling place of God. And, of course, it's a a reference to the actual physical temple that once stood in Jerusalem. And that physical temple was very large and had different parts. The temple had different places. The physical temple had the outer courts and the all-too-familiar inner sanctuary, only for specific people, for direct access to God. The word that Paul uses here is the inner sanctuary. But where once only the high priest could access God in that sanctuary, now we are the place and the Holy Spirit comes to us. In the Synoptic Gospels, that is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we read of the amazing scene upon Jesus' crucifixion and death where the veil, the curtain that was blocking the entrance to the inner sanctuary, it is torn in two symbolizing the free entrance into the presence of God by any who believe in him. In other words, it was no longer just for certain individuals. And you didn't have to do all this ceremonial washing because Christ just did that for you on the cross. The incredible picture of access is made all the more incredible by the reality of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwelling those who are his own, thus making us all, individual temples of God. By the way, for those of you who've been around, you know I say this every time Uh, there's a passage that significantly addresses the Holy Spirit. Please, as a Christian, don't refer to him as it. He is not an it. He is your God. He is your creator. He is a he. He is a member of the Godhead. You are to worship him. You want to introduce your wife as it. How much more offensive to refer to your creator as such. Well, back to the temple. For the ancient Corinthian, this picture would be much more vivid, perhaps, than to the typical Westerner living in modern times because temples would be everywhere. For them, the allusion to temples would be clear as there were many false gods in the Greek and Roman polytheism, again, that we all studied in high school. Specifically, in this context, we know of the temple to Aphrodite, which was in ancient Corinth, and in that temple, fornication was considered a form of worship, a type of consecration, if you will, rather than desecration. And I mentioned before in our series that there were prostitutes engaging in immorality, specifically at that temple, as part of their worship. What I didn't mention is that these women were actually priestesses of Aphrodite. It was an official function And as any good servant of a god or goddess, they engaged in acts that in their minds and according to their religion helped others worship, in this case, through prostitution, through immorality. As for the temple of the true God, just as the temple in Jerusalem housed the presence of God, so today the believer's body houses the spirit of God. And the significance of your physical body and what you do with it couldn't be more clear. It is significant. It is important. Understand this reality. How this plays out, we we don't fully comprehend. Our minds are finite. He's not locked in there. It's not he's not just in you. It's not a situation where there's just one we know that he is omnipresent. He is spirit. But understand that this is not just some a unique statement regarding Christian anthropology or a biological description. It is a spiritual reality that has great and grave bearing on everything that we do, everything that you do. And for us Christians, the point is clear. When you defile your body with acts of immorality, you are not just defiling your body. You are defiling that which is the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. You are defiling a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not defiling Him. You can't do that. But you need to understand what your body is. God's body, God's choice. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. What makes it gross is not what you did or where you did it or what you did it with. It's that you did it at all. As a temple of the Holy Spirit. This is the reality of the redeemed, who we are, our makeup, our constitution. And Paul presses this point further in the rest of verse 19, which brings us to the second aspect of redemption to combat immorality the command of the Redeemer. We just saw, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? And then we see his command, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own. The residency of the Holy Spirit is not just an issue of empowerment and conviction for the believer. It is a matter of authority over the believer. This goes back to us underplaying the role of the Holy Spirit. We know that he has a unique role that we're thankful for. He empowers us to obey. He convicts us along with our consciences over our sin. But don't stop there. He has authority over you as God very God. This great truth of the Christian being the sanctuary of God is a gift. It's an amazing gift. The Holy Spirit, Paul says, was given to us by God. The reason he is here with us is because of God's grace. And since all of this is true, we are not our own. We belong to God. But the vocabulary and imagery Paul is using here comes from the slave market of his day, which we'll see more of in verse 20. Many of those slaves under the Roman Empire were enemies that had been captured in war. And those individual captives from other lands could be purchased for a price. And according to Roman law, those who ransomed these captured enemies then become the property of the person who freed them. We understand how slavery works. And this individual that was purchased now belongs to this Redeemer. In the same way, Paul is saying that we now belong to God. As stated last week, our redemption is not just found in our immaterial selves, but He has redeemed our physical bodies as well. So when it comes to the misuse of our physical bodies for immorality, Paul is saying that your body is under the authority, the command of God, so stop doing with it whatever you want as you please do with it as God desires. In other words, you are not given the right to use your body however you want. The ability, yes. The right, no. You've heard me often speak about your possessions belonging ultimately to God. Your money God gives you to use, but it is His. Your time is His. Your talents are His. Even your children are ultimately His. You are stewards. They are a gift. And this truth, is nowhere more profound than your own physical body. It is God's. And just like with our possessions, we can use our bodies in an ungodly manner even when those bodies are not ours. So, Christian, avoid immorality. Not just because of how it affects your body, as we saw last week, but also because that body is not even yours. It's not even yours don't grossly use someone else's possession for your own sinful desires. Aspect number three, the cost of the redeeming. Look at the beginning of verse 20. For you have been bought, purchased with a price. This goes back to the imagery of the slave market. God didn't just call dibs, you're mine. He didn't just point and say, oh, that belongs to me. You belong to him because he bought you. You belong to him because he purchased you. You were a captive of sin, and he paid your ransom. This word bought is an old word that simply speaks of buying something in the marketplace. Now here, Paul doesn't mention the price, but we know what it is. 1 Peter 1.19, the precious blood of Christ. Matthew 20.28, 20, he gave his life a ransom for many. It's because of this that God has the right of ownership over our bodies. It's not a fact of creation. It is a fact of redemption. It's because of this that God has the right of ownership, proprietorship over our bodies. It's, it's his. And the word for here that he, he begins with shows that Paul is explaining why and how we are not our own. And we see an emphasis on the fact that the body is for the Lord, back in verse 13, in that we are his rightful possession. And the evidence of this twofold reality of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the redemption we have through the sacrifice of Christ. We are his because of those two things. And when a slave was purchased back then, the slave now gave everything he had in terms of his abilities, his existence to the new owner. And it involved a choice to relinquish your own status or pursuit of it, your own selfishness or pursuit of it. And in doing so, there was an emphasis in the slave's life of his new connection to someone who was higher up in the social structure. Do you get and see this beautiful picture of our belonging to Christ? We give up self for the privilege of saying i belong to someone something better god and his kingdom we give up our sin we give up our selfishness we give up our that's mine this is mine these are mine i look at what i want it's my house they're my kids you're saying no 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 i don't want god i don't want to be claimed by the creator of the universe. And why not? Because you like stuff too much? You like, you like your own sin? You're going to capitulate out of the fear of those that your God will one day judge or hopefully redeem? It doesn't make any sense. I get it. Easier said than done. But you got to grasp this principle. There is a connection to someone greater and... That came at a cost. He bled and died for you. Well, we've seen the constitution of the redeemed, the command of the redeemer, the cost of the redeeming, and finally the conclusion of the redemption. What's the end goal? After all has been said and done, what is the conclusion? Therefore, glorify God in your body. This is the point of it all. These two verses, this whole passage, your whole life. We glorify God in all things, but especially in our bodies by refraining from sexual immorality. In the same vein as the relinquishing of the rights of ownership over our beings, over our bodies, we glorify God because that's what's called for under this new management. You know that repentance is a 180 degree turn. We see, uh, we, for the sake of time, we won't go there. Though the word repent or repentance is not used in Ephesians chapter 4, we see many examples of that. The thief should not just stop stealing, he should start working and then give to others. If your words tear people down, don't just stop talking, start encouraging, edifying, glorifying. Be a part of the grace of God to others. It's a 180-degree turn. You've heard me say this before. If you're going home after service and you live in San Francisco and you actually accidentally get on the 92 and find yourself in Fremont, that doesn't help. It's 90 degrees. You don't say, let's keep going, we'll get there. You've got to turn a whole 180 degrees around. And so when it comes to this, you can't just stop doing something. It's not enough to end that affair. It's not enough to stop looking at things or thinking lustfully about another person. That's step one. That's good. But that's just 90 degrees. That's just put off. You must also put on, which in general terms is right here, glorify God in your body. In other words, just not doing something is not enough. Now use your body for service to the Lord, his people, and the world. If you're married, stop that and start rekindling your marriage and working on it emotionally, spiritually, and physically, as we'll see in chapter 7. Don't just turn off the computer. Start using your computer for good. Start using your time for good. Don't just stop those fantasies in your mind. Use that incredible gift of a human brain that God has given you for good. Start edifying and encouraging and serving the people that you once just used as objects in your mind. See, the slave who is purchased at a high price does not just move into his master's domain and just lounge around doing nothing. He works. He adopts his master's values. He follows his master's orders. He lives in accordance with his new identity by representing his master. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. He says, therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies, a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. All of that pages and pages and pages and decades upon decades of writing in the Old Testament telling us about the sacrificial system says now you're it. How thankful for, are we for the incredible wisdom of God that he gets that we wouldn't get it, and he puts living sacrifice. Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Serve God. Obey God. Be holy. And as I've mentioned to you before, one pastor, one commentator once said, The problem with living sacrifices is they have a tendency to squirm off of the altar. That's what we do when we sin. We want to present ourselves, but we kind of take a step back, especially when it comes to this sin. So let's endeavor to do that. How more clear can this be? Present your body as a living and holy sacrifice. This isn't just physical body, you understand, but everything you do with your body, as we saw last week. Every word, every thought, every keystroke, every step, every phone call, every Zoom call. It's all about redemption. Four aspects of redemption that combat immorality. The constitution of the redeemed, who we are, a temple. The command of the Redeemer. We are His temple because He purchased us with His blood, the cost of the redeeming. And the conclusion of the redemption, glorify God in your bodies. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. When I was in seminary, I was driving a car that belonged to my brother. It was a nice car. And there was a new seminary student, and he saw my car, and he said, is that your car? where did you get that car? Like I used to be really into cars. You know, me and my friends at church, uh, we would all get together on weekends and we would detail our cars together and we'd work on our cars and it was our thing. He said, would you like me to do that with you? And we can hang out and I can show you how to do it. You know, you can drive your car out and we'll we'll wash it. We'll detail it together. He said, well, if you're going to come, here's what you need. And he gave me a list of supplies to purchase. Of all the things that he listed, I only remember one to this day. Keep in mind, this was almost 20 years ago. He probably mentioned things like buckets, microfiber mitt, things like that. I'm just guessing because that's what everyone uses. I don't remember. But I do remember the one thing that he added to his list. Keep in mind, we're talking about washing a car. He said, and bring a box of Q-tips. Now, you got to be really into detailing cars if you need to use Q-tips. What do you, I mean, I can't even think of what I would wash with a Q-tip, but he was into cars, and he knew a lot about detailing. He knew a lot about making a car look perfectly clean, and so he would use Q-tips. When we talk about sexual immorality, what's your Q-tip? Ah, It's just a fleeting thought, and it's just that one girl that I think about, and I I rarely see her. Not a big deal. Bring out your spiritual Q-tip. Because you see, my friend in seminary, he wasn't concerned about the people who would see my car going 65 miles an hour on the 405. He cared about what he knew, what he was concerned about. He knew that there was a tiny little seed or bit of dust under that. Hood, that he needed to get with the Q tip. And perhaps because of his background, he was concerned about other people who knew what cleanliness, holiness looked like. That would, whew, she's a beauty. God. That's who we should care about. Doesn't matter if she knows, doesn't matter if he finds out, doesn't matter any of that. Doesn't matter if you were safe, doesn't matter if you cleaned your cash, it doesn't matter. God knows. And God wants you to deal with all of it, even if it means something no one else will ever see, no one else will ever notice, and something that you need to dig deep to even find yourselves, use a Q-tip. Get rid of all of it. Despite the world's many, many justifications for sexual immorality, it is sin. But when we take the Bible seriously and literally, it doesn't mean that we're prudes or that we're legalists. It means we recognize that we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. We know that we were bought with a price and we strive to glorify God with our bodies. In other words, whatever level of repentance we need, no matter how much we go against the grain of society, no matter how much it hurts no matter how many Q-tips we need, we acknowledge that it is God's body, God's choice.
2: This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. For the next part in this series, join us next week at this same time. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You are invited to join them for worship services in San Mateo, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit gracebayarea.org for service times, directions, live stream services, listen to archived sermons, or to make a tax-deductible donation to help keep Grace to the Bay on the air so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Again, that's gracebayarea.org.